Hey gamers, this is Joe from What I'm Playing Now. I have episode 188 of the podcast that I originally recorded on January 20th of 2018. Some of the games I've been playing for the past couple of weeks, been playing a little bit of Charterstone. My wife and I just finished game 10. Wow, wow, is it getting good. Played a little Dragon Brew, a nice little interesting game from Kickstarter. Played New Bedford. This was a great game from last year that I just played now really good. Also played a game from 2013 called Yunnan, which I had a great time with and I would really recommend. Other than that, I talked about a few of the games that I want to play. Enjoy the episode. Hey gamers, what are the games? This is Joe Luzzi from What I'm Playing Now and welcome to another episode of the What I'm Playing Now podcast. We are on episode 188 of the podcast. As always, you can send me some emails. Let me know what you're playing now. You can send those emails to what I'm playing now at gmail.com. You can also join us in some conversations over on our board game geek. We have a guild over there, guild number 2440. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at what I'm playing now. Don't forget to drop the G, like I always say, on Facebook. Just do a search for what I'm playing now. You can subscribe to us on Twitch, twitch.tv slash what I'm playing now, and also on our YouTube channel. YouTube.com slash what I'm playing now. All right. This week, I don't have a co-host like I was hoping to. Uh, We had to rearrange our schedules a couple of times and couldn't get together. So hopefully Eric and I are actually going to try to get together this week. We were hoping on recording games that we played in 2017 that were not released in 2017, but kind of like a top 10 games we played in 2017 that weren't from 2017. So we're also going to talk about a few other topics, hopefully, and hopefully we can get that recorded in the upcoming week. And then, well, that will be released next week, but I didn't want to skip a week. I want to try to get back to a weekly recording. So this one might be a little bit shorter because I'm just going to talk about a few of the things that we've been playing both around the house here with my wife, as well as a few things that I've been playing down at my friendly local game store since I've actually been able to make it down there the past couple of weeks. So let's jump into a few of the things that I have played. One of the first things we've been playing at home here, and we have been playing it a couple of times here and there, is Charterstone. Um, Really enjoying this game. As I've talked about before, and I've talked about on my top 10 for 2017, this game starts out as a very, what I would say, entry-level simplistic worker placement game. Each time you're playing the game, though, you're adding additional roles onto the game, and we just finished our 10th game, and I have to say... This is turning into a very fun, interesting game. I can't wait to see several of the things we're still going to unlock and what's going to happen in these last two games that we have left to play, because I believe there is 12 games in the whole series for this. After that, we will have completed the Charterstone game, and we will be able to then play this as a normal worker placement game. And I have to say... The board is filling in very interestingly. There is just a lot of different strategies and tactics. Each game we're playing, the not only do you really are you wanting to do different things, but the game is almost forcing you to take different strategies and try different things to get the victory points you need to win the game. My wife has actually won the last couple of games. I think right now she is up on me six games to four. So I need to win these last two games or else uh, she's going to win this. Uh, she's It's actually been very close, all the games. I think there was one game she won by one point. There was one game she won by three. So the games have been extremely close that we've been playing. We haven't really seen a runaway game. I think the last runaway game we had was a couple of games ago where I won, where I just had an engine going and she was just trying to keep up with me and was just having a hard time. Uh, but she's unlocked a few things 
that uh, have really helped her out the past few games. Both of us have increased a lot of the different things. I'm trying to talk very broadly about the game so I don't give any spoilers. So if it doesn't really sound like I'm giving any hints or tips to anything, that is why. Um, so, you know, we've unlocked a lot, both of us. We have great starting resources and equipment and stuff now. So it's really interesting what the game is turning into. I can't really wait to see how it ends and what the final board is going to look like as well as how it will play once we are done. Charterstone, I am so glad that we did get this game in before the end of the year because it definitely deserved a spot in my top 10 for 2017. One of the other games I played, I think about two weeks ago now, uh, when I was down at my friend's local game store, uh, one of the guys brought in a game called Dragon Brew. This is from publisher August Games, designed by Daniel A. George. This was, I believe he got this one on Kickstarter. It's an interesting fantasy brew, beer brewing game. Uh, each person is going to have uh, like a different faction, I guess you can say. They're kind of like different races. Each person will have different abilities that they'll be able to do. They actually, each player also starts off with different starting resources. And each player really has a different strategy is how you're going to go through the game. There's three different main phases to the game. You have spring, fall, and winter in the spring phase. What you're doing is you're going to be assigning workers to the various cards you have in front of you, trying to get resources and trying to purchase cards from the center of the table and expand your brewery and be able to do different things with the resource cards that you're going to get. In the fall phase, all the players are going to take those resources that they've collected, the different brews, brew or beer cards that they have, um, and try to basically just brew beers. You want to make sure you don't mess up during this fall phase. Uh, one of the guys actually was placing some tokens on there, actually messed up on one of the, the recipe cards. And if you actually make a mistake on one of the recipe cards, it kind of just blows the whole brewing piece for that particular beer and you lose the resources and don't actually get to claim anything. What's going to happen then in the winter phase is everybody's going to go around and there's going to be judges that are looking for certain types of beers. The beers that you're actually creating have different uh, colors and numbers on them. There's like yellow, um, red, and brown. I can't remember what the exact um, names for those different resources and stuffs are, but they form different types of beer, whether one is higher or lower. And you can also get um, money as well as some points um, for building those different types of beers. But the judges are going to look possibly look for, you know, the highest yellow amount and then the lowest brown amount. Um, so everybody's going to go around the table and you're looking to see who who is able to create the beer. Once they've created a beer, you're going to put a ribbon on that beer because it can't be used again for that round um, for scoring again if there are ties. And there were several times where Dave and I were playing or where Dave and I were going playing this game and because uh, we were playing a four-player game, and Dave and I kept tying when it came to the beer, making the beers. We had the same numbers with the same cards, and it was just, we were looking at each other. And when that happens, uh, the points that you're actually supposed to get is halved between the two players. So I was not doing very well, and I know by me doing this to him, it was definitely screwing up his game, because he actually probably could have come in a lot higher than the, he did um, once we finished the game. But this was a cool little game. It's an interesting little worker placement you had a lot of different things going on. There was one guy who had an engine going that he started with um, 
with the faction that he had, with the race he had. And it was almost just impossible to keep up with him with the amount of resources he was producing, the, the amount of beers he was able to do, you know, to produce each turn. I think most of the turns I was making two beers. I think you can normally make up to three before you expand your brewery. Um, there, I think on the final turn, I finally did actually brew three beers. And I, like I said, my score wasn't any, wasn't that good, but I still had a great time with the game. It was actually pretty interesting. I don't know how how I would what I would compare this to. I don't know if you could compare this to Brewcrafters or not. If you could, I would probably pick Brewcrafters over this one. But it was a fun, nice little game. I would say it's light to medium weight. It's definitely not heavy. There wasn't a lot going on with it. It's it's um I don't know if I would call it a gateway entry level game. A little bit up up above from that, but still a lighter style game. Uh, after that, this past weekend or week when I had gone down to the game store. One of the games we played at the beginning of the night was New Bedford. This is a worker placement game that I had not played before. On your turn, you're going to have a couple of workers, two workers essentially, that you're going to get to place out onto the board. It's interesting because in this one, the board, I guess you could say, is modular because as you're playing the game, each player that is playing is going to get to buy different buildings and add it to their side of the board, which will actually, those buildings will count for victory points. New Bedford is a game about whaling, so what you're actually doing is you're trying to send your ships out into the water, and while they are out at sea, there is a phase of the game, a round of the game, where you're actually going to be pulling whale tokens out. You'll get to put um, the whales on your ship, depending on where they're at, all the players who have their ships out there. Each different numbered row has like a one, two, three on there, so... The person who is furthest out at the number one, they will get to pick first, and you will pull whales out of a bag that are, that, um, I think it's one plus the number of players that are ships that are out um, in at sea at the time. Interesting little game. Having only two workers, you really have to think about how you want to collect your resources, how you want to build the buildings. The buildings do give you victory points at the end of the game, but the strategy that I kind of took and went with was getting my ships out there and just trying to get a lot of whales. And there was, I sent my first ship all the way out to the furthest spot was like six. And then for the next, you know, five, five, six rounds, each round, I'm adding more ships to that. Interesting part of this is though, once the ship comes back into the dock, you need to be able to pay for those whales. So each whale has a whale cost on them as well as a victory point cost. There are some whales that will give you more victory points. Those whales, of course, will cost you more gold. If you cannot pay for whales when you get back to the dock, you pay for the whales that you can. Any whales you can't pay for will uh, eventually or, you know, really pretty much just get passed to the next player, I believe, to your left. I can't remember if it's left or the right. I think it's to the left. It gets passed to the next player. They could purchase them. If they don't want them, it goes right around the table. If they don't go back or if nobody purchases them, I think they go back to the bag then. But I don't think we've ever had. I think somebody pretty much just purchased all of the whales before it got that far around the table. It's, it's a very interesting game. Victory point game. So you're trying to get um, the whales for victory points, the buildings for victory points. The buildings that you place, one of the neat little things about the game is buildings in your area, you can go to for free and use them if anybody else goes to them. So if I was using one of my opponent's buildings, I have to pay them a coin to use it. So you have to make sure when you're going to those locations, weighing out what type of resources am I getting? How much gold am I getting? Because there were some spots where 
You could go to a location, get five gold. So instead of getting five gold, you're eventually essentially getting four because you're giving one to your opponent, which is still good because that's not a bad amount of money to get in one turn because selling resources, each resource is the wood and the food is worth one. Bricks are worth two. So depending on how much of those resources you actually have, you can either get money by going to a building or get money by um, selling the goods at one of the buildings. So you really have to weigh things and weigh things out. Um, the scores, uh, me and my one buddy Jim had some pretty good scores. The other scores were pretty close. Um, but I thought I was going to, I thought I was going to pull out the win there for a little bit until um, Jim threw down a couple of more buildings than me. He had a couple of buildings that actually just gave him victory points. And on the final round, he had just some really of some good sized whales that he had brought back into and got onto his tableau. And there was just no way I could catch up to him from that point. But New Bedford, I was really impressed with this game. I thought it was really nice. I wouldn't say it was a heavy, heavy worker placement game. A nice lighter to medium style worker placement game again, game again just kind of like Dragon Brew. Wasn't real heavy. Uh, there is an expansion that is out for it. We did not use the expansion. I wouldn't mind trying it with the expansion. I believe that just adds a few more buildings into the mix. I don't think it really changes the rules from what a couple of the guys said because um, they were actually talking about it. Um, I Like I said, I've never played it, so I don't know. Hopefully, um, my buddy Logan actually brings that back and we can get that one to the table again. But New Bedford, I will have to say, was a very interesting, fun um, worker placement game. And then the last game that we played the other night when I was down at my local game store is a, an older game. It was from 2013. A couple of the games, most of the games I've been, been talking about, um, Charterstone was um, just came out a couple months ago. Um, Dragon Brew was, I believe, released last year. New Bedford, I think, came out in 2017. So those are newer games. But the last game we played was a game from 2013 called Yunnan. This was published by Argentum Verlag, and it was designed by Aaron Hogg. I have to say, this is a... This was a little bit heavier of a game. I wouldn't say this is a heavy game, but this is a more medium to medium heavy style game. So this one, if you're looking for something with a little bit more strategy to it, a little bit more meat on the bone for a game, I would say this is definitely a game to play. You will need three players to play this one. Well, it actually plays two to five from what Board Game Geek says, but with some of the mechanisms in the game, I think three is probably a very, very good spot um, to play, and that's what we played. We played a three-player game. There's The reason why I say I, I would probably say I want to play it with three is because there it's, it's worker placement, and there's different areas of the board where you're doing some bidding, and I think with two players, there probably wouldn't be enough interaction between the players. Um, I don't know if there is any sort of dummy player added in or any sort of automa added into this game um, from 2013. I doubt if there's any sort of automa added into it, but there could be some something else added to the game for two players. But with three players, I think it played perfectly. I think the length, length of the game was perfect. And I think the interactions between the players and some of the conflict we were having in placing our workers was the perfect amount. So what are we doing in Yunnan? In Yunnan, what you're trying to do is you're trying to expand your tea dynasty. What you're trying to do is you're trying to move a horse along a trail into different sections of the board. And you're also trying to put workers and different buildings so you have influence and um, basically just have some sort of 
presence within all of the different areas. You can have a presence by having different workers in the areas. You can build a couple of different buildings. One building will give you um, victory points. I believe it's the tea house will give you 12 victory points in an area and only one tea house can be built there. The other victory house or the other house that you can build, I can't remember what the name of it is, but it actually protects you um, from the one general or um, the one player that I wouldn't call it a player. It is kind of like the general in the game who will come into an area where the most money was gained. But there's a nice little track in the center of the board that walks you through all the different phases of the game. So after you place your workers on the worker spot on the board, somebody can, there's a couple of different areas that you can go to. There's two areas. I believe it's like five and a seven. If either player goes there, their worker can actually be bumped from there. If they go to the nine or higher spot, you will pay that amount and be able to get that action or do that or get a, get a resource or, you know, get whatever the, the ability is there on that particular area that you're going onto the board. You can get um, an extra worker. You can actually increase your influence. You can increase um, where you are with different soldiers. So you can go through different areas of the board and, it, and be able to move your workers farther along the the road that you have the your horse on. And the horse, you can also move your horse. Your horse has to be into some of the different further areas for you to be able to put workers there as you're moving along the road. And what you're trying to do is basically just get as get into as much of the board as possible. Each different area that you have a presence in um, during a later round of the game, you will be able to gain gold for. The gold, once you get to, you know, let's say I'm getting 20 gold for this round. We would move my round token up to 20. In one of the later actions, I can actually figure out how I'm going to divide up that 20. I can take 10 gold and 10 victory points, or I could take 20 gold and zero victory points. Or like I did in the very last round of the game, I took like 50 victory points because I had a crap load of gold in the last round. I was, I pretty much had presence in just about all of the different areas of the board other than the final one and the amount of money that I was racking in because I was able to move a couple of my workers into that farthest one was just an insane amount of gold. Like I was mentioning, there is a lot of competition here. If you don't place your worker on one of the nine or higher spots, on some of those air on some of the board areas for for the different actions like i was mentioning on the 5 and 7 spots if i put my worker on the 5 trying to maybe just pay the least amount of money to take that action somebody can go onto the 9 or to the 7 or higher and instantly bump me out now i can go back there and go to the higher spot but once somebody is on the 9 they cannot be bumped off so there's a lot of things you got to think about when it comes to this game it has an interesting kind of like way the workers go as well. Whatever your player actions are for placing the workers, when you get to the movement part of the game, that part, it actually kind of reverses the turn order. So whoever went first to place their workers are going to get last as far as the movement goes. Now that's really kind of interesting because as you're moving workers through an area, depending on what type of influence you have, and there's a couple, there's there's a lot of different tracks on this board that you really need to keep track of. You have an influence track, you have a track that tells you how many soldiers you're in different areas your players can move into. Two things that I concentrated on in this game were getting workers as fast as I can because it's worker placement. So I figure the more workers I have, the more I'm going to be able to do. So that was kind of like my thinking there because I had never played this game before. And a couple of the other guys I played this, um, one guy had played it a couple of times. Like one other guy had read the rules. So he knew the game. 
but I don't believe um, he had ever played it. So I concentrated on getting some workers. I also concentrated on getting my influence up because as you move your with higher influences, you move your workers into different areas, you can actually displace other opponents from those areas as you move into them. And I was doing that repeatedly because I tried to get my influence up to the max as high as possible because after everybody has done their workers and then they've done their movement, one of the other things that happens is you have this like general, I can't remember if he was called the general or what, what he was actually termed in the game, but he'll come into the area that's making the most amount of money in those different land sections. He will then displace the person with the highest influence because he's trying to come in and say, you have the highest influence, but I'm higher than you. So you need to go back to Puer. Puer is just one of the locations on the board, um, which is kind of like the beginning area for all of the map section. But once you get to, I believe it's four or five influence, I think it's four influence. If he comes into the area that you're in and you have four influence, he can no longer touch you. You're basically untouchable and he will then kick out the person with the next highest influence. So that was one of the reasons why I started to concentrate on this game. I tried to concentrate on getting workers, get my influence up there. And I have to say it was a strategy that worked out very, very well for me. I don't know how I was just trying different things being a learning game for me because I had never read the rules. I wasn't even familiar with this game before, but I have to say it was really, really fun and really interesting. Like I said, I think it was really good playing the game with three players I don't know how it would go with two. I don't know if there's any sort of dummy player when you're playing with two or not. Um, I'll have to talk to a couple of the guys and see if they know on that one. But with three, I think, like I said, the timing on the game was perfect. I think the conflict as far as, you know, the take that that we were doing to each other was was really good and was very well balanced. And I have to say, I was very impressed with you now. And I thought it was a very good worker placement strategy game. A, a lot going on. The board, when you pull it out, there are just so many different sections and just so many different things you can do. But once you pretty much understand all of the different rounds in the game, and there's a whole center part of the board that you're going to be moving this token through as you're moving through all those different rounds. Once you understand what they are and what you do in each one, the game makes perfect sense, and it is a great, great strategy game. So if you like something that's a little bit um, more difficult than some of the other games that I've talked about um, in this podcast, and you like something with a little bit more strategy, and like I said, something with a little bit more meat on its bones, Yunnan is definitely a game to look at. I would definitely recommend this game to anybody. I really enjoyed this one, and I was so glad we got this one to the table. It was really, really cool. And that's it. Like I said, we're going to make this podcast a little bit shorter this week. That is all we're going to talk about under what I'm playing now, but let's talk about a few of the things that I would actually like to play. So there's a couple things out on Kickstarter right now. Tiny Epic Zombies, I pretty much back that one immediately. Big fan of the Tiny Epic games. I personally am not tired of zombies yet. I'm still a zombie lover and having, I don't mind them at all. I'm ready for more zombie games and Tiny Epic Zombies. They have the item meeples coming back, the chainsaw. They have something that looks like Lucille from The Walking Dead. You do, you put that in the game. I am there. I am in. I am sold. Go ahead. Take my $30. You got it. Gamelin Games, give me tiny epic zombies already. Other than that, there's another Kickstarter that is currently, or there's another game currently on Kickstarter called Western Legends. I was watching Rado's run through of this one. This one looks really interesting. You know, I don't have too, too many Western games in my collection. You know, of course, you have Great Western Trail. That was, of course, my favorite game of 2016. 
always have to talk about that one. That one is just a spectacular game. I think we also have Tiny Epic Western. I really can't think of too, too many other Western games in my collection. But this Western Legends definitely looks like it has something different to it. It is nowhere near like either of the other games that I have in my collection as far as how Western goes. It has a poker theme to it. Oh, well, we also have Dice City that we just added to our collection. I forgot about that one. So we do have Dice City. But this one, this definitely looks different than all of all three of those games. I'm going to take a little bit of a closer look onto Western Legends in C, and I'm really considering backing this one. It looked like it had a lot of nice different mechanisms to the game. It, you know, it has like a little poker component to it as well, and there's multiple things that you can do with the cards. You can use them as uh, for a poker hand, or you can use the abilities that's on them. So you really need to figure out from what it looked like the way Rado was playing the game. There's a lot of different decisions you, you're going to have to make and figure out how you want to utilize some of those cards, whether you want to use them for the actions or basically try to get that best hand in poker. So I'm going to have to take a closer look on this one, but I have a feeling I may be backing this one because this one does look very interesting. That one's being published by Colossal Games, and it was designed by Hervé Lamitre. Looks interesting. I'm going to be keeping an eye on that one, but I think that's going to be it for this podcast, everybody. Thank you for joining me. As always, you can send me some emails. Let me know what you're playing now. You can send those emails to what I'm playing now at gmail.com. You can also join us in some conversations over on Board Game Geek. We have a guild over there, guild number 2440. On Twitter and Instagram, just follow us at what I'm playing now. Our Facebook page is what I'm playing now. You can subscribe to us, twitch.tv slash what I'm playing now. My wife and I will be playing through another run through of Wasteland Express delivery service tomorrow afternoon. I don't know what time we're going to start. I will tweet that out and send out some Twitter messages. It's going to have to be after my Gloomhaven game. So whenever I'm done with Gloomhaven, but I think we're going to do our normal stream on Sunday nights. My wife had said she wanted to do it Saturday afternoons, but now I think it's going to turn out to be a Sunday, a early Sunday um, time that we're going to be shooting for. Then on YouTube, you can subscribe to us at YouTube as well. YouTube.com slash what I'm playing now. Other than that, everybody, you have a great week gaming Don't forget to let me know what you're playing now. If you are playing anything other than that, I will be back next week with another podcast. Thank you for joining me. Have a great great week, everybody. I will talk to you later. Bye-bye.